So good morning once again. Uh, I know what you're thinking, and no, you're not getting out of a sermon this morning. Um, but it's so good to be with you. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit under the weather this morning, um, even though I love this weather outside. Anyone else like rain? Anyone? Okay, we had far more people in the first service who actually <laughs> like rain. Uh, I grew up in Washington State where it's like two weathers. There's gray and there's wet. Um, and when I then moved to Phoenix, which was a crazy transition, because uh, it will rain occasionally during monsoon season, but it's warm rain. And I remember the first time it rained outside, I ran outside, and I was like, oh, rain, and it was warm. And I thought, this is what a shower feels like. This isn't, this isn't what rain feels like. Uh, but, but so this, despite the fact that I'm under the weather, I, I'm appreciating the weather that's outside right now. Uh, we, we're in the midst of a series right now called In All the Wrong Places. And, and what we've been talking about is basically this, this idea that to be human is to be a worshiper. That God has made us in such a way that, that the deepest desire of our hearts is to know and to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. This is what it means to be human. And, and the problem, the tendency with the human heart is that we look for the love of God in all the wrong places. And when we do that, when we take good things in the creation and we turn them into ultimate things, when, then they become idols. They become false gods in our lives and end up enslaving us in ways that was never intended. This morning, we're talking about the idol of comfort and pleasure. And I want to begin with a quote from the great philosopher, Audrey Hepburn, okay? Audrey Hepburn once said this, the most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy. It's all that matters. The most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy. It's all that matters. Now, if you're going to start a sentence with the most important thing is, and then you're going to end the sentence with it's all that matters, whatever is in the middle there, that's a pretty bold, bold thing to say. And I want to ask this question this morning. Is this true? Is this true? Now, this is probably no surprise, but, but the question as to whether or not this is true is not a new question. It's not a new question at all. In fact, there was someone who lived a very, very long time ago who wondered the same thing. There's a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. And the author of this book, who we know as simply the teacher, he wonders the same thing. He asks the same question. Is this the most important thing in life? My own comfort, my own pleasure. And so what he decides to do is a test case, as we'll see. He puts the idol of comfort to the test. And, and I want to invite us this morning as we 
as we listen to his words, as we read a little bit about his story and what he does, to, to learn a few things about the idol of comfort. Our text comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The text will be on the screen. Uh, I encourage you, if you have your Bible, to open up or uh, an app, Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. This is God's word for God's world. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I, I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem, as well the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in, in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. God's word for God's world. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we pause now and invite the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit. Would you please open our minds? Would you please open our hearts? And would you please speak to us? Father, if there are things in our hearts that need to be exposed by the light of your word, please do so. If we need to be reminded of your grace and why we were created and how a pursuit of comfort distracts and ultimately enslaves, then please do so, Lord. Do not let us leave this morning unchanged. Oh, we, we love you because you first loved us and we pray in your son's name and by your spirit. Amen. So the teacher, as you just heard, sets off on a quest. And it's a quest that he takes very seriously. His quest is to obtain as much comfort and pleasure as possible. He basically says, okay, I'm going to intentionally 
make comfort an idol in my life. I'm going to pursue it as if it's the most important thing in the world, and I'm going to find out if it's worth it. I'm going to find out if it ultimately will satisfy. And as we read his story, I find it striking. There, there are several things we learn here about the idol of comfort. And the first is this. The, the idol of comfort is all around us. The idol of comfort is all around us. Did you notice that the teacher deliberately chooses to make comfort and pleasure his ultimate aim? It was like a conscious choice that he made. Now, it is well known that King Solomon was the wisest and wealthiest king of the whole people of Israel throughout history. And so here was a guy who had unlimited resources, and not only that, but really no checks or balances. And so he himself is poised to really do this, what we might say, scientific experiment properly. But can you imagine just for a minute, can you imagine if you tried this? I mean, what if I woke up one morning and I was like, okay, Cena, I'm going to try something today. Whatever desire bubbles up in my heart, I'm just going to go for it. Let's just, see, let's just see how this goes. Like, have you thought about, like, if you, if you were to put yourself in King Solomon's shoes, what, what would you do? I mean, there's part of me that, that knows exactly what I would do. I would build a nice log cabin in a mountain somewhere on a lake. Uh, there would be a, a high-speed quad from a ski resort coming right to, the, right to my back door. Uh, I'd have an indoor tennis facility very nearby, within walking distance. Uh, I'd have a big library in my house. And, uh, and I'd also have a, a very fancy chocolate milkshake machine. I don't know if that's a thing, but I would find one, right? Clearly, I've thought about it this sum. But if, think about it, though. What, what would you do if you were in King Solomon's shoes? What would you do? Now, it's kind of interesting because the, the teacher here in Ecclesiastes, as I said, he deliberately sets out, almost like a scientist conducting an experiment, to make living a pleasurable and comfortable life the most important thing. Because he's wondering if I pursue, if I pursue this with all my being, will it ultimately satisfy? If I make my own comfort the thing, Will it, will it make good on its promises? Now, it's interesting because he sets out to do this, conscious decision. But I think for us today, in our culture, we don't really have to make a conscious decision to do this. Because it's just assumed all around us. We, we live in a culture that's, that makes the assumption, of course, of course we're going to pursue as much as we can our own personal comfort, our own personal pleasure. It's assumed. And so let me, let me ask you a question this morning, and I want to I hear you nice and loud. What are the ways that this message comes through 
to us today? How do some of these voices that assume that the most important thing in life is really our own personal pleasure or comfort, how do these voices come at us today? What would you say? Advertising. YOLO. Facebook. What? Kardashians. Kardashians. (laughs) What else? What about movies? I mean, any of the media that we consume, the music that we listen to, friends or others in our lives. I mean, one of the things that was mentioned was marketing and advertising. Think about this. There's a multi-billion dollar industry, billions of dollars every year being poured in to this one agenda, and that is to get you to desire certain things. That's what marketing and advertising is all about. It's about shaping you, your desires, right? And there are promises that go along with these things. And so, for example, guys, if you buy this body spray, the ladies will be all over you, right? (laughs) Right? And we're bombarded. We're bombarded by these messages, these messages that make promises because... The assumption behind it all is, of course, of course you're going to want this because you want to be as comfortable as possible because you want to live as pleasurable a life as possible. It's all around us. It's all around us. But it also, it also expresses itself in different ways. Did did you notice how many different things the teacher sought to find comfort and pleasure in? He, he wrote this. He said, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. Do you see the myriad of ways that King Solomon goes about trying to answer this basic question? of Is this the most important thing in life? Now, admittedly, some, if not many, of the things on his list does not apply as readily to us as 21st century Westerners. But let me ask, in our, in our culture today, where do we tend to look for comfort? Where is it that we look for comfort today? What do you think? Some of you are thinking things, and you're like, I don't want to say this. What's that? Stores? Yeah, shopping. Surround sound theater? Food? What's that? Chili. Chili? Yes. Comfort food, right? Money. Money? Now, here's the deal. Are, are these things bad things? 
No. No, in fact, these are fundamentally good things. But, but when we love the gifts within God's creation more than the giver, when we allow these things that are good to become ultimate, when we give them a place in our hearts that, that is not theirs to have, then they become God's in our lives. Merciless, graceless gods who ultimately will enslave us and will leave us feeling empty time and time again. And if we are not aware of this message that comes at us from all around in many different ways, if we're not aware, we're probably believing it. We're probably believing it. So in the end, the pursuit of comfort and pleasure as the ultimate good leaves the teacher disappointed. He writes this. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. You see, the teacher discovered something profound. The teacher discovered that if you pursue comfort and pleasure more than anything else, you, you won't actually ever obtain it. It will leave you empty time and time again. Social media is fabulous in so many ways. We as a church use social media. And yet, if, if social media is the first thing you look to every morning, if it's the last things your eyes see every night before falling asleep, if it's the first place you go when you're stressed out, it may give you that temporary sense of connection, but ultimately will leave you feeling more disconnected from actual people and actual relationships than it promises. If food is where you turn when things just aren't going your way, your stomach will get full and you will have a delicious meal, but ultimately, ultimately, the longing in your heart for something more will remain unsatisfied. If your desire for comfort and pleasure consistently takes you to pornography, not only will it let you down time and time again, but eventually it will enslave you. It will enslave you and it will leave you empty. It will leave you empty, and not only that, but, but it will make promises that it will not be able to fulfill, and it will perpetuate a cycle of guilt and shame and ultimately, apathy. If alcohol is where you go to provide relief from unpleasant emotions, it may quench your thirst and numb your feelings for a moment, but it won't quench your desire for healing and for wholeness. Now, now pornography, for example, is, is actually a fundamentally bad thing because it takes something that's good, that's sex, 
and it twists it into something it was never meant to be. And, and yet, when we think about sex or food or drink or social media, these things are actually fundamentally good things, aren't they? Parts of God's creation that we are to enjoy, given to us by the Creator. And yet, when we allow them a place in our heart, when we begin to pursue comfort through these things, when these are the places that we look, we will be disappointed like the teacher time and time and time again. And that's because false gods never fail to fail. But you see, according to the biblical story, there's one God who will never disappoint you. There's one God who will never let you down. There's one God who will always fulfill his promises time and time again. And in the person of Jesus, we see who this God is. A God who is willing to give up all comfort, enter our world, and to endure the pain and suffering of the cross because of his unfathomable love for you and for me. This is the good news of the gospel. And this reminds us that there is something, there is something that can and will satisfy us. We began this morning with a quote. The most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy. It's all that matters. I'd like to suggest another, another quote this morning. Jesus once said, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else, everything else will follow. And what he means by that is if we allow God to sit on the throne of our hearts, then we will actually begin to enjoy the rest of his creation the way that we were always intended instead of being enslaved by them. The truth and the great paradox of the Christian faith is that the deep and lasting comfort and pleasure we all long for can only be found when we stop looking for it and we start looking to the one who gives it? Two questions to close with this morning. And these are questions not for you to answer out loud, but for you to prayerfully reflect on. The first is this. Where do I tend to look for comfort? Where do I, not me, but you, where do I tend to look for comfort? The second question is this, what would it look like if I began to look to God instead? Where do I tend to look for comfort and what would it look like? Think about it, what would it look like for you if you began to look to God? Would you pray with me? Father, you are so good. You're so gracious. 
And you're so gentle. And you're so forgiving. And, and you see my heart. You see our hearts much more clearly than we do. And so, Father, we ask, we ask that you would expose the things within our hearts that we've allowed to sit in places they do not belong. We, we ask that you would expose the idols in our hearts. Whatever it is, Father, that we're looking to for comfort or pleasure, whatever it is we've given a place within our own lives where it does not belong, get rid of that, Father. May you sit on the throne of our hearts. May we find our deepest comfort and pleasure in you. This is our prayer this morning. Uh, we, we love you too, God. And we pray in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of your spirit, who is here this morning, right now, stirring the affections of our hearts for you. Amen.